In today's episode, I am interviewed by Tony Rizak, who is the creator and host of the podcast called Basecamp for Men, which is now in its fifth season. He is an author of a book called Body and Soul, the Essential Handbook for Men. He's an expert in the area of healthy masculinity and works with men as a coach and workshop leader. His show is about focusing on mythic themes, consciousness, counter-narrative topics. He's pro-humanity, pro-freedom, and anti-matrix, which is right up our alley here at Mindful Medicina. He has asked me to join him today to talk about the sun as our ally. In this episode, we will go into all of the medicine that you yield from the sun and all the reasons you need to run to it and not hide from it. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Mindful Medicina Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeanette Daniels. I'm a naturopathic medical doctor on a mission to inspire a renewed confidence in the intelligence of the human body. Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rizak. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Today's episode is about something simple, the sun, and the lies and deception that has been spun by you-know-who to get us to fear and avoid this great ally of ours. Base campers, it's time to let the sun in. Sign of the times. Enjoy. My guest today is naturopathic Dr. Jeanette Deniels. Jeanette is a healer, teacher, and one of those people that positively impacts all the people that come to her for insights and resources. She's also a podcaster now, something we'll talk about today. Here is my interview with Dr. Jeanette Deniels. Okay, I am here with Jeanette Deniels affectionately known as Dr. D to her friends and patients, a uh, naturopathic doctor, health expert, podcaster, Dr. D. Welcome back to Basecamp for Men. It's good to talk to you again. Super happy to be back on the show again. I had a great time with you last time, so I was happy to come back. Yeah, and you've got a lot going on. You've got a great new podcast that we're going to talk about, uh, Mindful Medicina with your bestie, Janelle Hartman. We'll get into that <laughs> a bit. Um, but, you know, I heard I was listening to your show and I was really loving the stuff that you did on the sun. And I realized, you know, I've I've done some kind of shows, not really about the sun, but I've had some mystics talk about the sun in 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 some different ways. And I thought it would be a good opportunity for you and I to maybe dispel some myths and to uh, share our our sort of love for sun and sun culture um, but also, you know, to just to tee it up, you know, I remember when I just to, and then I'll hand it to you. I remember when I was a kid, there wasn't all this fear of the sun. Like there was sunscreen at the store, 
you maybe used it or didn't, you know, it wasn't like your parents weren't like insisting you slather yourself with this stuff. And the sunblock was small. Like I remember it was like four, you know, SPF four and eight, eight was like the heavy duty, you know, fair skinned redhead. Um, but a lot of the kids, like we just didn't really use it. Didn't think anything of it. Um, and now I look and it's like, you can't find eight at the store it's almost like it starts at 30 it's like 30 40 and 50 it's like they just keep amping up the blockage of the sun and it's a little suspicious and i just i guess i just wanted to give you a chance as a naturopathic doctor to talk about like you know should we be putting this sunblock all over ourselves or should we just leave it alone um i've opted to not use sunblock for quite some time now. I'm just kind of careful and I, and I love getting sun on my skin and I just feel like I, I'm not sure what's in that stuff, which is maybe precipitating me not using it anymore. Um, but yeah, what's the deal? What, who should be using sunblock? Do, should fair skin people still use it or are they maybe also not mm -hmm. as susceptible as maybe they're being led to believe that it's, you know, the sun's bad. It's going to be doing this, you know, irreparable harm to their skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, isn't that interesting that back when when we were kids, we were outside way more than than kids are today. And we didn't wear the sunblock. And now that everyone's indoors, now they're wearing yeah. sunblock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, uh, so anyways, I mean, if you go back in human history, you know, I mean, dating back thousands of years ago, I mean, we, we were naked and we were outside. Of course, we were in lower latitudes and we had a better solar callus, which we'll talk about then. Yeah. But, you know, with human history and, and, you know, being able to migrate to higher latitudes, really, you know, leaving Africa, then we start to lose our solar callus and our, um, you know, our melanin deposition. And mm -hmm. so some other things had to happen for us to perpetuate the species without so much uh, sun exposure. And we can get into that as well. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to sunblock, I think that, you know, everything to me comes down to profit over people. And so if we're looking at really caring about not burning the skin, for example. I mean, there are ways to do that without putting lotions and creams all over ourselves. And that would be to remember that we're animals and to do what animals do and to get into shade and, and put some clothes on. Mm. And, uh, you know, like you were saying, you know, people who are more fair skinned, uh, you would want to make sure that they not that they need to wear more sunblock more often, but that they have a healthy respect for their Fitzpatrick skin type, which, mm -hmm. you know, is is a nice little scale on a scale of one to six of, of how much melanin that you produce in your body based on your uh, mother's mitochondrial side. Mm -hmm. um, so it's super interesting when you get into the the, the mother's mitochondrial inheritance, where she is from, uh, will sort of dictate, you know, how much sunlight you actually require to function at a higher energetic level as an energetic being. Mm. So I would say no to sunblock and yes to being smart and remembering that you're an animal and to cover up with clothes and find a nice shady tree. <laughs> That's great. You you even got me taking my sunglasses off. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't suspicious that sunglasses were, 
necessarily not great for me. And I had gotten accustomed to putting on my shades whenever I was out in the sun. But when I heard you talking about it on your show, I started taking them off uh, much more during sunny days. And what I what I noticed was that at first I felt like a mole, right? Like, I'm like, ah, oh, God, you know, I can't handle this. But then it didn't take very long for my eyes to adjust. And it seemed to help my eyes sight in a way. Like it seemed to, there's something about the sun and all that light in my eyes. Uh, I could feel it working kind of, it, my pineal gland uh, was appreciative, but also I just felt like my eyesight was appreciative of not having the shades on. And I was like, wow, I've been, I've been wearing these things for a long time. I didn't even, I didn't put two and two together. I thought, yeah, you know, the sun's good for me, but I still got to wear the sunglasses, right? Because I can't see, but mm -hmm. it's like, it was just a, it was a faulty assumption that I needed them at all times when I'm out in the sun. It's not true. I, I look good wearing them. I think there's some vanity there. Like I look, you know, like, like, oh, I, I look great in these, but but I'm but the trade-off is that I don't know if it's great for my eyes to be wearing them all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sunglasses and even contacts and glasses, regular prescription glasses will block UVA and UV light mm. um, via what's called a neuropsin. And these are photoreceptors in the cornea and the retina. And when these photoreceptors aren't getting UV light, it can lead to a decrease of a bunch of hormones and nitric oxide. And mm. so you, you really end up taking a hit on the hormone level. So, mm. but add to that, you're also not establishing the circadian clock that is mitigated and managed by UVA specifically. Um, and so uh, UVA is really a very long wave frequency that's able to penetrate glass. So with prescription glasses, you can definitely get uh, some UVA, which is great for your circadian, but you will block UVB with prescription glasses and sunglasses. And so you're not getting the full spectrum of light. And that is where you start seeing disease states is when you take pieces of nature and, you know, you think you can use it in an isolated situation, like, let's say, I want to take this supplement called lycopene because I heard it's tomatoes are great for preventing this, that and the other, but you just take one constituent of it. You're taking nature in its parts and it's meant to be served as a whole platter. Mm -hmm. And so this is what ends up happening, you know, with with the sunglasses is that you're really blocking out quite a bit of the natural light rays. And so you will start to decrease your production of melanin and vitamin D as well, which is where the big heavy hitters come in and where disease and, and cancer, not to mention melatonin uh, specifically um, being a preventer of cancer. So if you wear sunglasses, you'll start to see downstream that sleep is terrible, you've got no vitamin D, you've got no hormones, and you're starting to get autoimmune diseases and cancers. Mm. Um, yeah, so... There's a lot yeah, at stake there. It's not just a casual, you know, I'm going to take, uh -huh. I'm going to wear something. You have to really think about it because uh, there's a lot of things going on downstream that you're not aware of, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, what, yeah. what do you do? What do you do during the winter? Because you're, we have different family backgrounds. So you're, you're Mediterranean, Greek, uh, Italian. My family tree primarily comes from Central Europe, Germany, and, and the Czech Republic. Um, what do you do? Then you know the Northwest famously um, has dark, uh, rainy winters. Uh, lots of people complain about the lack of sunlight here. Um, you know, it, 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 for me, it probably lines up with my family tree. I mean, anybody that's ever been to Germany and the Czech Republic, that's not the sunniest place in the world either. Um, but I guess I wanted to ask you, like, what do you do since, you know, you're proclaiming that it's really vital to have access to sun People here tend to take like one week of vacation and they try to go someplace sunny. I mean, that's a common coping mechanism, but that doesn't seem like enough. Like we're here the rest of the year in these dark, uh, these dark days. Um, and the other part of the question, do those, do those full spectrum boxes, is there any science behind that? Is that placebo? I'm not knocking placebo because sometimes placebo is, is what you need, but is there any science behind sitting in front of one of those full spectrum light boxes? Does that help produce um, the hormones that you need in the winter time? Does that help equalize things? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, going into the mitochondria is really what we're focusing on when we're talking about light energy. And so uh, looking at your mother's mitochondria and her origins, that will sort of, like you were saying, you're front, you're you're German, right? So mm -hmm. you will, your mitochondria will necessitate less UV light. However, what you did in Germany was compensate for the lack of energy and production that you get from the UV light by getting cold. So doing cold thermogenesis or just being outside and being cold, because we know that when you allow yourself to be cold and get cold, uh, you will make light. So what people don't, I don't think people really know that they actually make light. So when we say that we're light beings, we're being literal when we say, when we say that, because at a mitochondrial level, we're making UVC, which is very, very short wave light frequencies. However, it's extremely powerful. It's more powerful than the sun. So when we cannot get the, the sunlight in a better, I guess, intensity or exposure, then cold was the way that humans would compensate for that because they they themselves would make light from cold thermogenesis. So if you live in Seattle, what you really want to do is make sure that you are embracing the cold and getting outside because you will need light energy one way or another if you can't get it from the sun, right? Yeah, interesting. Well, and there's this whole craze about cold plunging and stuff. I find that really interesting. There's a lot of people doing it and and singing its praises, how much they get out of it, right? Um, what, what about the boxes? What are your thoughts on those, the the light boxes that people get? My wife's got one. I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, she likes it. I don't know. I won't say that she's like, oh my God, this thing's a godsend, but she uses it and uh, so I, I I don't know if that's something you recommend to patients that are struggling with seasonal affective disorder or, you know, or if cold plunging is maybe a better solution to it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the the red light therapy and and the balms, uh, the happy lights. Yeah. Um, again, you know, you're taking the sun in parts, and you know, if that's the best you can do, that's the best you can do. But what I would suggest on those is that you take it outside so that you can compensate for you know not getting all the all the light frequencies from the sun. So if someone has um, a vitamin D light, which would be a, a, U, a UVB light. Um, this is not the same as red light, but if you took a UVB lamp that helps you make vitamin D in the winter, you really want to take that box outside and you want to make sure that your skin is exposed to the other light frequencies from the sun. Even if it's on a cloudy day, you're still going to get the other light frequencies coming through. And so then you can get the fullness of the full spectrum instead of sitting in your house with a box on your body. So, and then the other thing I would encourage is if, if you do use a red light, which seems to be a, a big conversation out there today, mm-hmm. uh, people are loving that red light because it is really incredible for anti-inflammation and then also for helping with collagen synthesis, depending on what frequencies. So what I would say is don't use the red light outside of the sunlight hours. So from sunrise to sunset, you can use the red light, but you don't want to use it outside of that time when the sun is not present because that there's no red light during that time. So you don't want to mess up your circadian rhythm by throwing red light on your skin and into your eyes at a time where the sun is down. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So, and also the other thing I'm hearing you say is that uh, make sure you keep getting outside in the sun in the wintertime, even though there's not a lot of light happening, that there's still benefit. I think that's one thing, like people in the Northwest, we tend to go, oh, it's crappy out. Like we just, we stay inside and uh, keep warm and, you know, drink tea or whatever. And you don't think I still would, I still need to get outside to get some sun, uh, even though it's not great out there. Um, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. you know, one of the things you were talking about that I wanted to ask you about is the, you said uh, it's important to build a solar callus to receive sunlight. And I, I didn't know what that meant. And I wasn't sure what that entails, but I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. When we mentioned building a solar callus, the goal of that is is that a person who does have fair skin, maybe a one or a two or a three on the Fitzpatrick uh, skin complexion scale. So I want for every person to be able to re- receive more sunlight in order to do that. And when I say that, I mean more UV light, right? Mm-hmm. The light, the UVA and the UVB that is actually going to help you make melanin, which is absolutely critical. So what I say is that you want a solar callus, which implies that you need more uh, filagrin. And filagrin is a protein that helps to make the skin thicker and less red when you receive the UV light. So when the filagrin goes down, then the skin gets thinner and then you're more prone to get burns and actually dermatitis and allergies and all sorts of things. But we've evolved to tolerate UV light by having this protein called filagrin. And this is generated in the presence of red light and IV, you know, intra, uh, infrared A light. And so when do we see those two frequencies? Well, those are at sunrise and sunset. So 
what's the best way to build the solar calluses to get up with the sun, see the sun rise, have as much of that uh, red light and infrared A light hit your skin and your eyes. And there's no UVA and no UVB at sunrise. So you're not going to burn your eyes. So, you know, you, you can look directly at the sun at this time. Mm-hmm. And so if you do that enough and you do that every morning, I mean, the rule is that you never miss another sunrise again. And 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 really, this is how we evolved, you know, waking with the sun. We've seen, you know, I can count probably on two hands how many sunrises I've seen. So I'm really guilty. I'm a night person. Yeah. But um, but if you want to build the ability to actually increase your tolerance to receiving the UVA and the UVB, you've got to make sure you have enough filaggrin. And this will prevent that redness and the inflammation in the skin. You know, I, I've had a couple of, this is kind of a little bit of a curveball. Um, I've had a couple mystics on um, and we were talking about, you know, reverence for the sun. It's really what you and I are talking about, right? Um, proper reverence for the sun. And these mystics, some of some was captured on the episode, and some was captured was not captured and was and was spoken either beforehand or off off uh, microphone. But you know, they they basically we were talking about the sun, and it was a little bit of a wink, wink, and said, "Well, you know, the sun is a conscious being, right? Like it's like I mean, I know this is getting far away from science, but you know, there's this kind of I want to say inner knowing." that the sun is perhaps something that it's not just helium um, and hydrogen. It's that's a material way of looking at it. There's something about the sun that we deeply understand that there's a partnership. Some call it the, the manifestation of the light of the Christ Christos. Some call it, you know, the, the divine masculine in partnership with the divine feminine, all of these things resonate. You don't have to be a pagan uh, to to go there. You just have to have an open enough mind to recognize that there's a lot of things. You know, people I think mistakenly think if you speak this way about the sun, oh, you're you're just hearkening back to the indigenous tribes. But I have this kind of sense that. Uh, what the sun is has not been fully revealed to us, um, and that it's not just the indigenous tribes that worship the sun for reasons other than the life-giving properties. There was some other kind of deity attached to it, but that there was, uh, there's been other more advanced civilizations that have pointed to the same thing that were when we sort of acknowledge that there's a mystery about the sun, we don't know everything about it, you know? And I think when we approach the sun that way, um, there is, you know, there, there's, there's this kind of layers of what it is when it interacts with us, when it interacts with our pineal gland, opening up the pineal gland to wisdom. There's, there's this sort of partnership with the sun that touches on all of the mysticism that we've, that we've studied, all of the sort of hidden meanings. Um, I didn't put this question in there, but you and I were kind of hinting at that when last time we saw each other. So I, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that. I know it's, it's not science, but some of the greatest discoveries don't have to do with the material realm. It's the other intuitive realm where the teaching really is. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in, in, in almost every religion and culture, there's, there's always artwork and worship around the sun. And I find it perplexing how so many people walk around their day not even looking at her. And I call her a her. But yeah. I know some people think the, the moon is, is a female and, and the sun is male. But when we are under the, the influence of it, not just the biology influence of it, but the spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we, we can walk around and not even feel the presence of it or even acknowledge it and take a look at it. I think we're missing a huge part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, again, it's we're light beings. And so what we are actually made of is stardust, like quite mm-hmm. literally at a molecular frequency level. We are the result of the sun. Mm-hmm. And you see that in photosynthesis, you know, and this is what we're doing at a uh, mitochondrial level is we're reversing photosynthesis within ourselves. And we would we would not be here without it. Yeah. So it is a thing of worship. And really, um, it's. It's something that should not be blocked. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a big concern I have when you've got Bill Gates and the like talking about dimming the sun, mm-hmm. you know, um, and justifying that, you know, for global warming. And I think, my goodness, you know, I mean, these these people are sociopaths. You know, they know and the literature is there. Uh, I've got research after research showing that even in their own words, the WHO, the CDC, that cancer and autoimmune disease and mood is highly, highly dependent on the lack of this light exposure. In other words, without that light that being we'll call the son of being yeah we we go into disease states yeah we wither yeah yeah absolutely you know i and i've had i know you've had this i, I can't tell you how many times in my life i have had distress um you know, something happened, just like, you know, just life happening, something's going and, you know, sideways, or I'm upset about something and, you know, or I'm confused. And if I go out and I just be with the sun, um, the impact on my consciousness, almost every time it calms me down, it reassures me, you're, you're going to be fine. You're figuring like, just the path is right mm-hmm. there. The sun always communicates to me in this loving, reassuring, like, you got this, don't worry, we've got your back. Like, just just all these messages come to me if I just go out in the sun and let the sun have me for just a little while. Um, the messages always reassure my path, um, and I've come to depend on the sun for its counsel, frankly. Um, yeah. Amazing, yeah. And and we know that it's, it's, it's an energy being because when you look at, I mean, most people understand the sun is something that gives us vitamin D, right? But when you look at people who take vitamin D exogenously, like in a supplement form, Mm -hmm. you find that these same cancers do not go away 
with increasing your oral supplementation. And why? Why is that the case? Because the chemical signal or molecular structure of vitamin D in, in a supplement form has no photoelectric effect. And so you can't take bottles of vitamin D and make cancer go away. That's not how it works. There's something special about the sun from a photoelectric effect that affects our biology and our souls. Mm. So when someone asks me, well, to vitamin D supplement or not, this is the answer that I give them. There's no light behind the stimulus of a chemical supplement. Got it. Yeah. That's good to know. You know, I think people think, well, I just need to supplement and it'll offset all this rather than maybe think of a creative way to actually get more sun, um, even in the wintertime here. You know, I wanted to ask you, there's right now in my circles, everybody's talking about EMF pollution, five, uh, you know, 5G, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in sort of alternative health uh, circles, but also people that are truthers. So, you know, these are, this is the tribe that was calling out, you know, the, the COVID shots and saying not so fast, we don't really know what's in these things. And, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say wildly speculative, just speculative, uh, you know, sort of uh, posts and people putting articles together saying what, how is the, how is the technology from the mRNA shots, how is that interacting with the 5G? Do we know, you know, there? it's almost like, Dr. D, there's, it's almost like this clinical trial of a bunch of different things that we don't know what they do to the human tribe long term. Like, we don't really know. We know from history that every time they introduce some, some new electrical, you know, uh, technology um, that the human race has to adapt and that there's some usually some disease or sickness or some things that happen to the human tribe as we advance in our technological, you know, wizardry. And I think 5G, you know, uh, and and I'm, I'm immersed in it. You know, I, most of the people I know have their phones and they've got all this going on, but I've started to notice that people that like Christian Elliott, a friend of mine, you know, he's like, we have started, we went back to wired internet, so we don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, everybody turns off all their devices. We don't sleep. Like, he's got all these steps. And I was like, geez, you know, that's that's next level. And I've been kind of lazy. I've just kind of been going along with it, you know, kind of vaguely aware that it's probably not great, all this 5G and EMF stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about, I don't know, prevention. There's a lot of products now about blocking emf and putting your phone in a sleeve and some people use like copper for different ways of keeping the frequency off of them and so i wanted to give you a chance maybe just to address emf pollution or you know what do you recommend for people that maybe maybe have a patient they're like i think some of this some of these frequencies are probably not great for me i'm starting to intuitively sense that I, i i'm getting too much of it what do i do and what would your recommendations be Mm Hmm. Well, I mean, we could take this all the way back to 1893 when the grid went up and those were just basic telephone poles. And, you know, fast forward to 1911, maybe what, six years later, you get your first Alzheimer's case 
reported. Um, and so for every 10% advancement in technology, we get an increase of about 1% in obesity. So, I mean, and that's, that's just with regular, you know, telephone poles, uh, yeah. regular um, AC currents, you know, um, it's toxic. It knocks out our own nervous system, uh, just having electricity, period. And so, you know, fast forwarding to 5G now, where 5G's concentration is on individual phones, right? So it's going to directly target your phone if you have a 5G. I I ended up getting myself an older phone that will not be able to connect to 5G. So I'm avoiding it for as long as I can. So I'm still currently hooked into the, the 4G. Okay. And um, so... You know, the 5G, another problem with the 5G is that it, it it's purported that it can jump conduct, so, which is not good. And what that means is that the the discharge of that EMF and that radiation can jump from metal to metal to metal. And so, you know, you've got people who are like, well, I'm just taking the, 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 these piercings out. I'm not going to wear belts that have metal buckles anymore uh, because you, you're going to have to watch for jump conduction with this 5G. And, uh, and so, you know, you've got also adding to that, you've got blue light toxicity that's adding a lot more chaos as well. And I don't know if you want to go into that yet, but what I would suggest for EMF toxicity in and of itself, you know, vaccinated or not, COVID or not, Mm -hmm. you really want to make sure that you do heavy metal cleanses because, you know, this technology can really spin you out if you've got a heavy metal load, be it mercury or whatever are in these shots, you know, Um, it's hard to know since they're not transparent about what what are in these things that they're giving us. So I recommend heavy metal cleanses. I recommend getting into the ocean as much as you can so that you can pick up some electrons to neutralize this radiation and EMF. In fact, uh, if you live in a city, um, grounding in the grass or in your neighborhoods, probably not the most optimal because they're running those um, those electrical lines under the ground now. Mm -hmm. So you can't really trust grounding on the grass anymore. The only place that really creates a great Faraday bag is the ocean and getting into wet sand. So I'll often do that. I'll do that about three days a week, make sure to get my feet into the ocean. Mm. And Washington is so great for that. And the cold plunge added to that is just incredible. But you do want to dump off that EMF. You do want to dump off the radiation. And that's one of the best ways to do it. Um, outside of, of course, turning like your friend's doing, you know, getting away from turning the Wi-Fi off at night and um, keeping keeping lights off in general and then using incandescent light bulbs. Uh, that's another way you know, to keep the EMF down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, there's a really great, great book I would recommend. And that one is called Going Somewhere by Andrew Marino. He was a biophysicist. And that book was about the risks of man-made environmental electrico electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. So again, it's called Going Somewhere. Um, The, the, the science is out there. You know, I, w- I will say this. I, I get a little sketched out by um, peer-reviewed articles 
and all the science that we've done over the decades, because all of the research and studies are done under blue light. So <laughs> what's what's fascinating to me is that in nature, blue light is never alone. It's always in the presence of red light. And so anytime you're doing a study and you're in a lab, it's always under blue light. Mm. And so you... And, and from that perspective, you can almost throw away every study unless it's done under nature's light, which is mm-hmm. in full spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, so though I say the research is out there and studies show, I always have to bear in mind everything is done under blue light, which almost can falsify or put holes in these studies. And so mm-hmm. you get half-truths. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, I have still two friends who don't have a cell phone, two women, Mary and Liz. They've still, they're, they're like, nope, I don't want one. I don't want Good all that. Them. I know. I'm like, you guys are such badasses. I mean, one lives in New York and one lives here, but, um, and they're just really sensitive. And they're like, I just don't, there's a lot of reasons. I've, and now that we've, you know, we're way into this next generation, you know, years later, and they're still holding out like, no, I don't need one. Um, I don't like I don't like what's going on with it and all the different stuff. I'm like, God, they're just, you know, that is yeah. that is total badass, you know. Yeah. They will, you know, they make it really hard to opt out of, they do. of you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I gotta have a cell phone. Wait, I'm trying to get onto my internet, but now it wants to send me a message to my cell phone to confirm that oh, yeah. it's actually me. Yeah. And all your menus are on the phone. I'm, and I always say no, I want a paper menu. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I want to pay cash. <laughs> cash is king, at totally. least for now until we get into Bitcoin. But yeah. but yeah, I mean they make it almost impossible to opt out. And so, you know, this is what they do is they they kind of warm you up to things, right? Like yeah. They want to warm you up by having you hold the phone, right? Hold this technology. Now, you know, now you can wear it in the form of a watch. So then they can just place it inside of you. So they just sort of warm you up to this nonsense. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, there's, I was going to ask you about, you know, you're such a wealth of information. Not everybody, uh, around the country is going to have access to a naturopathic doctor. I'm fortunate to have you here in Seattle. Um, I always recommend people to make sure they have a naturopathic doctor uh, in their, in their health team, because it gives you such a different perspective rather than just the MD, which is uh, you know, God, I don't want to get into all that, but we, you know, they're they're limited in what they're able to offer you in terms of perspective. Um, but is there, you know, some people are not going to, some people are going to be living in rural areas or maybe they just, you know, they live, you know, a hundred miles from a naturopathic doctor. Is there any kind of resources that are online that's kind of like the naturopathic doctors, you know, WebMD's version, you know, where they can go and hear, you know, or maybe see articles by people like doctors like you on, you know, a condition that they're having and like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I, I looked up this condition. It turns out I may not be getting enough sun or I may not be getting yeah. enough of this. And I never thought about it that way, but I saw it on this, on this resource. And yeah, I just wanted to give you a chance to, to recommend maybe one or two places people can look. Cause uh, you know, not everybody's going to be living in a city where they're going to have access 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say that Dr. McCullough has been Dr. Joseph McCullough. Mm-hmm. He's an mm-hmm. oste- osteopath, but, you know, and, and really an amazing researcher. And he's just been, he's had his finger on the pulse for like 20 years now. Yeah. And in fact, before long before I was a doctor, um, I always referred to his website for his interviews and his um, you know, his articles on things that were being researched, like you said, on, hey, maybe I don't have this condition and it's maybe just a, you know, a deficiency in, yeah. in UV in UV light. Mm-hmm. And so he is just probably one of my favorites to go to. The other person, so you'll notice I, I list people because unfortunately, even in the naturopathic world, which is heading into green allopathy, mm. you know, they can also be one-sided and, and, and really push agendas that I don't agree with. So, so I tend to find my research with people that I respect that are decentralized. Mm-hmm. In other words, there's not a central controller. There's not someone telling them to say this in order to get paid so for right. me, that would be, like I said, Dr. Joseph Mercola. Another one would be Dr. Jack Cruz. Uh, he is just a wealth of information, quite a savant. He's uh, a neurosurgeon who studies and is proficient at light magnetism and water. And uh, he's also really a big Bitcoiner as well, because he hey. says... Yeah, he's like, hey, yeah, he, he's like, well, you can't be decentralized in medicine and not decentralized in, in your money. You can't. Exactly. They, they're married. You, you know what I mean? So, so those are my two favorite. Um, if you can get on, you can, you know, definitely sign up for, you know, become a, uh, I believe it's just a bronze uh, member for Jack Cruz and it's five bucks a month. Mm-hmm. But man, it's worth a cup of coffee. To get some decentralized information. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so you've got a new podcast. It's really good, by the way. I've been listening. Mindful Medicina. I love the dynamic with you and Janelle on there. Um, what is, uh, you know, how often are you putting out episodes? Uh, what kind of topics are you covering? I, I assume it would be all in the health area, but I might be wrong. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I want to give you a chance to tell listeners what you got going. I found it extremely helpful. Um, and then where can they go listen? Are you on Spotify? Like where, where, where is mm-hmm. the, is the show being aired so people can click and go listen? Yeah, we, we have a, um, well, first and foremost, um, our podcast is called mindful medicina and it's one word. Mm. Um, and we are on Spotify and um, Apple Podcasts, and you can also go to our website, which is mindfulmedicinapodcast.com. And remember, it's one one word. Um, it'll there's so many mindfuls out there. Uh, you'll get lost and never find us if you don't have the word connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mission for Mindful Medicina is to remind people the intelligence of the human body. This is our biggest goal because what we have found in the last few years, especially is that people started to outsource their wellness to the pharmaceutical companies and to 
make decisions out of fear. And uh, we want to inspire a confidence in this incredible, incredible machine called the human body. And we, we just feel that we want to be a platform where we can interview people who have some other perspectives. That's the other thing. You know, there's, there's many perspectives out there and we need to have a platform for other ideas and uh, to just revel in all the healing options that are available out there that, you know, don't include a pill for every ill. Right, right. Are you doing an episode like every two weeks? What's your what's your calendar look like? Or is it mainly as you as you get it together, it comes out and it's not as as regimented as that? So we're looking at um, releasing a podcast episode every two weeks on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And they typically run about an hour long and we're doing lots of interviews and they range anywhere from the microbiome to hormones to astrology. We at Mindful Medicina, find medicine is everywhere. It's great. I love it. I love it. Go check it out. Jeanette, thank you so much for coming on to Basecamp for Men and sharing your insight and your wisdom. It's always so great to talk to you. I always learn so much about uh, health perspectives and alternate perspectives whenever I get in a room or have a conversation with you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for bringing me back. <laughs> yep. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed our time with the always insightful and interesting Dr. Jeanette Deniels. If you're in Seattle, Dr. D is an amazing naturopathic doctor to have in your corner. What a blessing she is to her patients. And her new podcast is a wealth of interesting insights in how to optimize your health and your intuition around your health. The podcast is Mindful Medicina, and you can find that on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's all for this week. Thank you, base campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. And good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men. We hope this conversation has empowered you. Remember, you are unique and you are a miracle. Your body doesn't make mistakes. It responds perfectly to an imperfect environment. Until next time, Go get that life.